We're going to start with Matthew, the sixth chapter. Now, wait till I tell you to put it up, please. We're going to start with verse 19. We're going to go through verse 24. Uno momento. Okay? Hallelujah. This was also given to me this morning by somebody in the church. And Robert, I really appreciate it. Mm. I heard a testimony at a full gospel dinner one time about how uh, he was a retired fireman. And he says, as helps to fight fire, firemen are given all kinds of, you know, like CO2 cartridges and stuff to rob the fire of its English, uh, of its uh, air, well, oxygen, and uh, and yet all these things that has been given to them to fight fire, uh, none of them. They always go back to the one tried and true firefighter, firefighting agent, as water. What's really amazing about that is. Like these CO2 sprayers, they, they rob the fire of oxygen because fire needs oxygen to, to have fire. You, you know, you need an igniting point, you need a combustible, and you need oxygen. And the more, you, more oxygen pour in it, the greater the, the hotter the fire. And what's interesting about that is this is oxygen and hydrogen, the most volatile uh, combustible agent in the world is hydrogen. And God takes hydrogen and oxygen and mixes it together, and we got water. And you know... um, I've, I've stated this. I'm, I'm from the South, and one of my favorite drinks was Dr. Pepper. You know, you ever go down South? And I don't know. I've been, I haven't been there in a while. But if you know, as you well know here, if you go to a Burger King or McDonald's or a, a Wendy's, they will most likely have one particular company that supplies their drinks. Like, you won't find in a, in a McDonald's a Pepsi and a Coke, you know. And that's the same thing in the South, because they, they, the companies will pay them, give them a good deal if, if they just, you know, serve that alone. Now, you can go to a gas station and find different drinks or convenience store, but something like McDonald's, you can't. Now, what's interesting, though, is I only say that because in the South, uh, you, you still find the same thing, except for one thing, you find Dr. Pepper in every single one of them, because it's a very, very popular drink. And as popular as Dr. Pepper is, I'd rather give that up. I'd choose water over it any day of the week. You know, I'd hate to take a bath in Dr. Pepper. Water is a wonderful thing. I heard 
And these, some of the greatest minds and scientists ever were discussing uh, the creation, God's creation. And he says, if God's creation had a dime's worth of difference of weight, it wouldn't work. And to, 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 to point something out, I also heard, I heard it, if there was just a tiny fraction of a degree off on gravity, uh, if it was too much, a tiny fraction, the uh, earth would collapse on itself. I mean, the world, the, the universe would collapse on itself. If it was just a tiny fraction above, uh, uh, below that, it would be, it would all fly apart. Just a tiny, just a dime's difference. That's how God makes everything work. Mm. I love water. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. You said, Lord, in Psalm 138, you said that you magnify your word above your name. Lord, there is no other name in heaven and earth whereby we may be saved except your name, except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and yet you said you magnify your word above your name. Lord, we want to love you with all our hearts, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. But if that's true, that we do, then we also want to love your word as much as you do. In Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created. Now, Heavenly Father, you know that I, one of my favorite books is the notes from his Bible uh, by D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody in his notes right out beside that first verse says, if we can just believe that, Lord, or maybe that's not the right word, if we believe that, then nothing else in the Bible can give us trouble believing. And it says, in the beginning, God created. Yet John, the book of John, St. John, Gospel of John, starts off, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. All things were made by him. In the beginning, God created Genesis 1. John 1, in the beginning, the Word created everything. So we praise your Word, and we humble ourselves before your Word, and we ask that you touch our hearts and our minds and our beings. Open up our hearts, open up our eyes so that we may see wondrous things out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's put that up there. This is in the Sermon on the Mountain, probably just close to the very center of it. And uh, it goes like this. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Hold that one up just a minute. Uh, later on in chapter 6 uh, of John, uh, later on in time, chapter 6 of John, that's the cha- that's the chapter where Jesus does this incredible miracle of feeding the thousands. And he finds them with two fish and five loaves of bread. And it just multiplies uh, thousands and feeds thousands. And that... Uh, that night, the nighttime comes and Jesus sends the disciples off across. This would be across the, close to the mouth or the beginning of uh, the uh, Sea of Galilee. And so they're going across. There's a very, it's a narrow spot in the sea. But, you know, you can barely see the other side. You know, I mean, if you can, even if you can, it's, it's, a, it's a wide spot. And even though it's the narrow part of the top. And as they're going across, uh, but he stays on the other side. He sends them across to Capernaum on the other side. And he's on the other side. And with the, with the crowd, he goes up into the mountain to pray. While they're going across, a storm arises. And... Next thing you know, Jesus is coming to them, walking on the water. And he gets in the boat, and immediately it's across the other side. When the crowd gets up, they're looking for him, because he had remained on that side. And so they begin to think, well, where is he? So there are a lot of other boats there, so they fill all the other boats, and they go to the other side, because they knew the disciples went to the other side, and Jesus is there. And they're like saying, where did you come from? From where, whence did you come? And, he's, and he says to this, says something to them, it's interesting. He says, labor not for the food which only endures to temporal life, but instead labor for the food, the meat, that endures to everlasting life. And uh, he says, you... You saw me fill the multitudes. And you're over here. And this, this is reading between the lines. He says, you're over here looking for me because you've got your bellies full. And he says that. And he said that uh, basically he's saying, you're seeking me not because you saw a miracle, not because you saw the Messiah, not because you uh, saw God do something wonderful, and you wanted more of God, but you're seeking me because you got your belly full. And that's why he says, labor not for the food, but labor for the... And he says, and then he says, I am, you know, your fathers were fed manna in the wilderness, but that wasn't the true manna. It was manna from God, but that wasn't the true manna. That's only symbolic of the true manna. I'm the manna. And uh, he goes on to say some things they don't like, and they disperse real quick. But the point is, he says the same thing that he's saying in the Sermon on the Mountain here, there. Lay not up for you, but lay, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust, rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. And you know, he's, uh, in the epistles it says, if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. You know, it's a uh, uh, there is a work 
responsibility. The thing is, though, is what is your priority? And we'll see in a minute. But it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your... You can work and try to earn a living for your family, and you know, uh, for whatever, for your needs. But your treasure isn't in your... This is kind of, uh, you, it can be in your job. If you work toward the Lord, it says in Ephesians, work not for your boss, uh, with eye service as pleasing your boss, but work as eye service as pleasing the Lord. See, so you want to work for the Lord. And so, but it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Next verse. The light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? And so no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money. Now, money isn't, you're not just, just you know, like, uh, what's Donald Duck's uncle's names, uh, where he's got all his money in Scrooge, yeah. Scrooge. Yeah, well, that's appropriate. And so, he's got vaults filled with money. And there are some people just want to have, you know, they advertise the buy gold. Buy gold. You know, and I'm not putting anybody down here if they bought gold. Okay. But I always say to myself, if gold is such an incredibly good investment, why are you trying to get rid of it by selling it to me? Why wouldn't you just want to keep it? You know what I mean? I'm like, if this is so good, why are you getting rid of it? So anyway, but they say when you buy gold, we send you the gold in a safe so that you can have it in your hand. And I got to admit, I used to be a coin collector. So when I see those gold coins or those silver dollars that, you know, those Liberty Head silver dollars, you know, uh, I don't think they're really Liberty Heads. They're, uh, they're you know, whatever they are, they're really beautiful. You know, I really love those silver dollars, real silver, you know, getting my... Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can work for a living, but if you love money, you know, I, I love Fiddler on the Roof. I don't, how many of you ever said, saw Fiddler on the Roof? Just a few, oh, that is such a good movie. But the guy in it, uh, is the, he's always talking to God, and he's talking to God like he's right there, right in front of him, you know. And, right, and he's just being honest with God. And so his daughter told him, because his daughter got involved with this, this, uh, uh, freedom fighter and, and, and this was in Russia. And so his daughter, uh, his daughter's husband or husband to be said, money, materialism is the sickness of humanity. And, uh, he, the guy says, and Lord, May you strike me with such an illness, and may I never get well. 
<laughs> and you, you remember the famous song, If I was a rich man, beady, 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 bum. You know that song. Well, you can't love God in money. Next verse. Let's see. Next verse. I know I didn't say that. Therefore I say unto you, no, no, I'm sorry. Go back to the last verse. I didn't read the whole verse. You can't love God in money. Oh, I know what. Let's go on because I wanted to get to the to the, to another verse. We'll go quickly. Uh, next verse. You shut off. That's okay. Uh, you cannot serve uh, God in money. If your eye back in back up, he says you don't have to back up. If your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. Now, verse thirty-three in this says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things shall be added unto you. All the things. And you know what things they're talking about? Before that it says, talks about seeking wealth and he says, those are the things the Gentiles want. But if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, those things will be added to you. It's, it's kind of funny though, but if you go, the psalmist was talking about going into the presence of the Lord in such a way that being in his presence, he says, whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord, and being with you, I desire nothing on earth. It's an, it's an irony and a paradox, but God will take care of you if you seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness Amen. Can I get a witness? All right. Hallelujah. Uh, Now we're going to go to a different place. Uh, Different kind of thinking. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I've been working on this psalm. And boy, I'll tell you what. It is something else. This is something else. Um, I've been talking about how, how to go into the presence of the Lord. We're going to find in a minute that you can have the presence of the Lord all the time, anywhere. Uh, just by faith, by believing, and believing this psalm. Um, if a person humbles themselves and seeks the Lord, they will find the Lord. That's what he says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. And the reward is him. So we diligently seek him. In James, the, uh, I mean, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, it says, God, I have good thoughts towards you, thoughts of peace and joy. And uh, I have these thoughts towards you. And he says, uh, he goes on to say, and you, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. So God has us to want to seek him. But here's a word that talks about how we can have, you know, <clears throat> I talk about all these protocols going into the presence of the Lord. I believe that most of you have had some encounters with God without going through all these protocols. Or maybe you didn't, didn't know it. But I remember when I prayed the first prayer, uh, when I was stranded with no drugs and no alcohol and 
no food in, in this little cabin of a thing. And my sister-in-law had told me that if, if you will, the only prayer God's going to hear from you is for you to ask him to open your eyes up to see him. For you to ask God to reveal himself to you. And if you do, he'll, he'll answer that prayer. And so I was just humbled. And I got down on my knees by this bed, all by myself, snowed into this cabin, this, this garage in Amarillo, Texas. And I got down on my knees. I was alone and embarrassed, you know, looking around to see if making sure nobody's looking at me, you know. Uh, seriously, you know. And I put my elbows on the bed and look like you're supposed to look when you're praying. You know what I'm saying? And then I, I started this prayer off like this. God, I don't believe in you. Is that a great way to start a prayer? You know, I don't believe in you. And I, but I did. I started that, I started it that way. And then I stopped a minute and I thought about that. And I said, but I must, I must believe something or I wouldn't be doing this stupid thing that I'm doing right now. God wants you to be real with Him. God wants you to be honest with Him. And as I said, after I said that, I began to think about some other things. I said, my sister-in-law, a very devoted Christian, Baptist Christian, uh, had told me this, that if I, I tell him, my, my sister-in-law, her, her name, a good Southern name, Winnell. I said, my sister-in-law, Winnell, told me that if I ask you to reveal yourself to me, you would, you would. And that you want me. I said, I cannot, it's hard to believe that you want me. Because I didn't, I didn't like myself very much. As a matter of fact, I hated myself. And the only escape I had to get away from me was drugs, alcohol, and gambling. And so I said, I can't believe that you really want me. But if you do, if you want me, if you love me, now does this, does this sound like faith to you? If, 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 if. But I said, if you want me, then reveal yourself to me and I will serve you. And uh, uh, nothing happened at that time and not for maybe three, four more weeks. And uh, it was in December uh, about this time. Oh, well, about four days before Christmas. And so uh, I was back into the drinking and gambling. Snow doesn't stay on the ground very long in Amarillo, Texas. And I was back into the drinking and, out, and uh, drugs and, and gambling. And uh, I was back in a, my usual time. Whenever I got up, I usually didn't get up in the morning, but in the afternoon, I would go to the mirror and would uh, tell myself how much I hated my expletive guts, you know, and look at myself and say, I hate you. And then I said, not only do I hate you because of who you are, you're a coward. Because if you had an ounce of, of, of bravery, you'd take a, find a gun someplace and blow your blankety blank head off. 
but you're too, you're not, you don't even have the guts to do that. And so, anyway, I was doing my usual thing, and all of a sudden, I just felt this compulsion to leave the house. And so I did. And I walked outside, walked out to the sidewalk, and I felt something pull me inside. And I, you know, it was kind of weird. And I walked down the street, stopped, and I turned to the right, and I saw this sign in front of a house. And he said, uh, it was an Alcoholics Anonymous house, you know, to, to where they lived. I walked down to the, I noticed the sign, I went down, I went inside, and I was young, ponytail, hippie kind of clothes, you know, uh, wish I had a ponytail today. And so I was a hippie looking kind of guy, kind of guy that some mothers wouldn't want their girl to Walk, they'd want him to walk on the other side of the street, you know. I uh, thought I was a pretty tough guy, uh, but only when I was drinking or drugging. You know, when I was sober, I wasn't so tough. And so I went into the house, and all of these old men, about my age today, <laughs> with shaky coffee cups, and I, I said, guy, I'm out of here, you know. They looked at me like I, you know, they what is he doing in here, you know? So I started to leave, and a guy comes up back from the kitchen. He saw me, runs after and grabs me. And this was a younger guy, and he had long hair too. And I said, well, this is cool. And so he says to me, come on back in the kitchen. And he looks at me. Now, I had been doing speed on top of all this other stuff, and so I had, I had no pupil. It was just solid. You know, my pupil was just solid. I mean, it looks freaky when you look in the mirror, it's just like, you look like a person who put some of those things on their lids, and and, and he looked at my eyes and says, well, you sure your problem is alcohol? I said, yeah, everything, you know. He says, you do you like drugs? I said, oh yeah. And he says, I can't help you. Can't help you. But I know somebody can. And I said, okay. He says, this is guy, he's this Jamaican guy. He says, uh, he had a heroin addict. He was a heroin addict from New York City. Uh, $180 a day heroin addict, heroin habit. And he says, he's, he, he, he has a program across now. And he says, he'll come, he'll come get you. And he, I said, oh, okay. And he says, there's only one problem. He's, He's one of these guys that is religious. He's, his whole program is surrounded about, is all about Jesus. And I'll tell you what, you could have blown me over with a feather at that time because all of a sudden I'm thinking, God is answering my prayer. And, um, I felt, I, I, I still maintain the facade. I saw I'll try anything once, you know. Now, my point in that, I'm not going to go on any further, but I, I got saved. I know you're probably wondering if that happened. My point in that was that um, that was 
that was not following all the protocols for prayer. I mean, if, if you humble yourself and pray and begin to seek him, even as pitiful of a seeking God that was, he will respond. But these things that the Bible talks about going into the presence of the Lord, they are there for a reason. And so let's read this psalm because this is going to be talking about the presence of the Lord. It says, is this beautiful? Um, I have read this entire thing in about 12 different translations, verse by verse by verse. And um, all of them are beautiful, and pretty much all of them say what I think it says, uh, thinks this said. But this is King James. So uh, I hope if you, if you have a computer, then they have Bible apps that just uh, are amazing. That's how I can read uh, 12 different translations at a time, you know, by going to uh, the Bible app. And so, but I, I read these, and I'll tell you, I just love the King James. It's just like, you know, I hope nobody goes to see a Shakespeare uh, play, you know, to be or not to be, just to hear him say, well, should I kill myself or not? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's why, I, so, so I, I'm going to defend the King James Although sometimes I, th- I think it kind of misses the boat because it didn't miss the boat when it was written, but it misses the boat in our language today. But I'm, I'll, I'll explain this as we go. Um, o Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Um, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering in uh, Philippians, the third chapter that I may know him. Um, God wants us to want to know him. God wants us to want to love him. God wants us to understand that we need to love him. God wants us to love him. And when you see God doing this to us, that's just his loving us. You understand? When he searches you, searches you, in other words, he searches your whole heart, mind, body, souls. You know, he also wants us to get to the point where we love him back. But you can't love him until you get love. You can't give something to God until you get something from God. And that's love. That's why in 1 John it says 4, 417, we have 16, we have known and believed in the love that God has toward us. And so, Every verse that God, this psalmist says, for God, uh, then we, or God to us, then we need to want to reciprocate. And there was one verse in there where it says it's impossible to do that. And it is. You can't outlove God. But when he, when you see him face to face, when he comes back, you shall be like him. All right. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. You know, that means he knows when you sit down and when you get up. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Wow. 
He knows every thought that you think afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down. You art acquainted with all my ways. The eyes of the Lord are always on you. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. He knows every word that you have ever said, ever will say. He knows them. He knows all, everything. Nothing is hid from him. Thou beset me behind and before. Thou laid thy hand upon me. Do you feel God's hand laid upon you? I mean, in the spirit. You know the word, one of the gifts of the, nine gifts of the spirit, nine gifts of the spirit is discerning of spirits. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know what discerning means? To feel. Now there, God is everywhere. But there are levels of our spiritual consciousness discerning him. You know, uh, discernment. There's something that was in when the temple was first dedicated. A spirit rolled in and you could see the Holy Spirit. You could see God. And it had a name. It, the event or the, the, the happening has a name. It's called the Shekinah glory. The word Shekinah means visible. But it doesn't mean just visible. It means you can feel it. You can touch it. You can taste it. You can smell it. Our prayers are God are collecting vials in heaven in bottles. God smells your prayers. So you can smell him. He there are spiritual. There's you know, God gave us five senses in the body. Well, there's five spiritual senses. That's right. Taste and see the Lord is good. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might feel wondrous things out of thy word. The woman with an issue of blood, he's being touched by everybody. But the woman touches the hem of his garment. And she says, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment. And he turns around and says, who touched me? And he says, everybody's touching me, touching you. But this woman touched him. And he looked down and she, she was healed of that issue of blood, which she has been seeing doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. But he said, who touched me? You know, that God has a touch. You can touch him in the spirit. God has a faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's not talking about your physical hearing now. It's talking about your spiritual hearing. See, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's five uh, physical senses. God has five spiritual senses. That's when we discern something by sensing it. And, and, you know, and, and he wants us to know him and he wants us to sense his presence. But if it gets so real that your natural senses begin to it, that's when he his presence becomes a, a, a Shekinah glory presence. And it doesn't just have to be. It was like a smoke that came in that everybody could see. And they could not stand by reason of the smoke. When they dedicated to him. So God wants us to have 
we, he wants us to search for him. We talked about being single of mind, single of spirit. If your eye be single, you know, that doesn't mean you're cyclops that have one eye. No, if your eye be single, and you can be blind like Joe, but your focus, your focus in your heart. I am a child of God. I believe in him and I focus on him and he is my God and my Lord. And I want to, I want to taste him. I want to touch him. I want to feel him in the senses. But here's the thing. Peter says we were with him when he was alive. First Peter says we have touched him. We've seen him. We've tasted him. No, no, literally it's, it's a, it's a metaphor. You know, we've tasted him. We've been, they have literally seen him. They have literally been with him. All right. But he says, blessed are you if you believe when you haven't seen him. So, you know, if you're seeking to see him so that you will believe him, uh, that's a little questionable. But if you're seeking to see him because you do believe him, that's, that's pretty good. Okay, back up to the verse before. Thou hast beset me behind and before God has laid his hand on. Now, if you haven't sensed that, I'm going to tell you right now. God is laying his hand on you right now. Now, he's had his hand on you. All your believing life. As a matter of fact, he's had his hand on you before. Before the foundation of the world. His hand is upon you. He says, thou hast laid his hand upon you. This is a psalmist who hasn't, he's not talking, he's talking in metaphors. All right, next verse. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. See, that kind of thinking, that is high thinking. That's heavenly thinking. You know, Colossians 3 says, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. God wants us to set our affection on heaven, on heavenly things. God, you know, this isn't your world. This isn't not for you. This is, you sold, you're a sojourner. We're supposed to occupy this world until he comes. But this isn't your home. Your home is in heaven. You know, I used to think that in, in Psalm 116, uh, and we sang this song, it says, uh, it's just, just thought of this, it says, uh, pardon me? Well, that's too, too far, uh, further down. I gotta get it right, cause it, I, I'll put it all together. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from falling. Therefore, I will walk before God in the land of the living. Walk before God in the land of the living. And I could spend more time on that psalm. It's Psalm 116. And I used to think, ah, he's delivered my soul from death. He's delivered my uh, eyes from tears, my feet from falling. Therefore, I will walk before God in the land of the living. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that I'm going to walk before God in the land of the living. This is the land of the dead. 
Heaven is the land of the living. Because he's delivered my soul from death, my spirit from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. My, you know, falling in the Bible is like stumbling. Stumbling is like uh, backsliding. It, it means it's like stumbling and falling in your faith. Because he's delivered me, he has saved me. I will not fall and in my walk with him. And because of that, I will walk before God in the land of the living, which is in heaven. Amen? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. But I can sure try. See, God wants me to try, but we have to be honest. I can never know God as well as he knows me. Ever. Now we're going to get some real good stuff here. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? In other words, if I try to run from God, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Hallelujah. God is with you wherever you are. You know, I've, I, I have a really, really good friend, and I love him very, very much. Uh, he lives in Binghamton, and uh, he believes that if the speed limit is 65 miles an hour, that if you go 66 miles an hour, the Holy Spirit gets out of the car. You know? Now, if you agree with that, I, I, I applaud your desire to not grieve the Holy Spirit. I applaud that. But I got news for you. He doesn't leave you. I will never leave you or, nor forsake you. He listens to every podcast. Are you listening? I'd tell you who he was, but I don't. He, he probably wouldn't care. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give his, his initials are Russ Hawkins. Case you want. So, Russ, I've been trying to call you. So, uh, give me a call, okay? He says he listens to every podcast. And he's, I don't believe that. I don't believe the Holy Ghost. Somebody say something? He's down in Florida now? Probably. <laughs> he doesn't like the cold. He doesn't like the cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would help. But he's, you know, he's, he's like my wife, only worse. Like I think anything above 68 degrees is boiling hot, and she thinks anything below 74 is freezing cold. Uh, you, know, you have to make adjustments, though, don't you? So we keep it at 74. Not really. No, I'm lying. I'm lying. Well, it's like this one guy. I thought it was so funny. He says, uh, when you get married, you have to make compromises. He says, for example, my wife wanted a cat. I didn't want a cat. He says, so we compromised and got a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, which means if I'm flying like an eagle or dipping down into the ocean, 
Did I say stop there? Well, we're going to go to verse 18. Next verse. Even there shall thy hand lead me. If somebody say no, no, no. <laughs> Friend, you don't want me to get on you now. <laughs> Yeah, she, she, she's very single-minded, you know. Like the time that her <laughs> Al was uh, waiting out in front of uh, the, the mall for her to pick him up. It was the bank, the bank. And she just drove on by, got halfway to East Meredith before she f- remembered that she forgot him. <laughs> Turns around, comes back, just drove on by. <laughs> Got all, almost all the way back to the church where she realized that she's going home and got to pick up Al. And so she comes back and now Al is out in the middle of the street going like this. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I'm not even going to talk about how many kids you left behind. <laughs> Was that Chad? Chad, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing him walking out on the sidewalk looking like this. I said, wait, where, where's your mom? He says, they left. <laughs> kind of like, like home alone, you know. <laughs> three times, three times. Oh, you know, God was with him the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you know, whether I, Wherever I am, high and flying or down in the middle of the deepest sea, his hand shall lead me, his right hand shall hold me. Next verse. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me. Well, I like to explain this just a little bit because it says this. Even if darkness covers me, you know, he says, even the night shall be light about me. It's like God's going to be there. Even if darkness covers him. The God, the light of God is going to be there for him. Next verse. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. In other words, you can't, the darkness cannot keep you hid, hidden from God. You, you can't be, he says, but the night shines as the day and to God. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You know, he can see you in a, a totally dark room. You know, I, I, I remember we used to be at sea sometimes and there would be lights out and I used to go out, outside and I'm telling you, you could not see your hand that close. And, uh, but, but God is there. God is there. Yea, the darkness hideth in you. The night shineth, the shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both like to thee. Next verse. For thou hast possessed my reins. You know what your reins are? You know what reins are? That's what you have a horse. You know, uh, read Psalm 132 about horses and mules. Oh, yeah. He says, Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Say that with me. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I look in the mirror, and I and I want to say I say that when I look at myself. But I said, "You could have made me a little less," you know. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Now I'm not blaming God for my uh, for that statement. It's not His fault. Okay, I helped make me in that respect. I will praise Thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise Thee. Say it with me. I will praise Thee. For thou art fearfully and wonderfully made. For thou art fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. You know, Billy Crystal used to be part of his routine. He said, marvelous, marvelous, simply marvelous. You know, Mar- marvelous. I can't say it like he does. Anyway, you are marvelous. I am marvelous. I am marvelously made. If we could see the intricacy of all the things that has to happen in your body, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're tall or short, skinny or fat, you are marvelously made. It doesn't matter if you're how much you are handicapped. Maybe you're like uh, Johnny Erickson, who is a quadriplegic, and all she can do is with move her neck and barely move that. And But she's marvelously made. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knoweth right well. Say that with me. That my soul knoweth right well. Next verse. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. This is going to be pretty cool stuff because here is a revelation of the Verses in the in the New Testament about all the things God did before the world was even created. There's an indication to it. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. And what he's actually saying there is before I was made in secret, you had my substance in, in you, in God. He says... And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's a reference to both uh, being made of dust of the earth and being in the womb at the same time. And he says, what is he saying here is our substance, all that we are, was in God before we were made in secret. Before We were formed in our mother's womb. That's what he said to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came forth from the womb, I sanctified you. Before the foundation of the world. That's what he's talking about. And curiously wrought. Now thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Literally, it says, yet even being started to be put together, be perfected. And in thy book, all my members were written. God, God has a book that has your DNA in it. And it was written in his book before this world even began. It says, which in continuous were fashioned 
when as yet there were none of them. You see that? There was nothing, no part of you that was made was in his book. Now, this is going to be, we're getting to one of my favorites of all. Let's, let's go to the next verse. How precious also, this is great, this is beautiful. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great, leave this up for a second, now I'll tell you when to go on. How great is the sum of them. How precious. Jeremiah 29, 11. The thoughts that I have toward you are good thoughts. God has good thoughts for you. I have an expected way for you. I've made an expected way for you. You know. It says, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Oh God, how great is, well, how great is the sum. Next verse. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand of the earth. God, you, I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care where you are in your walk with God. I don't care if you've known him, not known him, if your life is full of sin. I don't care what it is. If God thinking about you, God is thinking about you. His thoughts are as the number greater than the number of the sands. That you can't even begin to have in a lifetime if you live... If you live to be 80 or 90, I only pick that number up because in Psalm 90 it says that. If I live to be 70 by, by reason of strength, or maybe even to be 80, life is like a... That's like that. I have to lick my finger. Oh, Got to get the right moisture. Okay, that's that. It's like... <laughs> One of the things getting old, it's like, what happened? There isn't any preparation for this in life, you know. You can't study on how to adapt to getting older. It just happens. It's like, wow, there I am, here I am. And it's gone. I don't care if you live to, I, I, you know, I, I, it's so such a heartbreak. When you uh, lose a child that is four years old, three years old. You know, I, 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 my heart breaks for Eric Clapton, who loved his boy who fell out of a balcony at four years old and died in New York City. And he, and he wrote this beautiful song, sad, more, more ways than one. But, you know, would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? You know... Eric Clapton wrote that. I, I, my heart breaks for that. But you know, I'm 70, I'll be 72 in a couple of months. And you know, I'll tell you something. That's like that. I don't care if you live to be 90, it's like that. Compared to eternity, you can't tell the difference between somebody that dies at four or somebody that dies at 104. You can't even measure the distance compared to eternity. Life is short. Psalm 90 says, life is short. And the, and he says, and the psalmist says, if I live to be at old age, teach me, O Lord, 
that I might apply my heart and my ways to wisdom. And there's the best, best way to describe wisdom is in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wisdom is understanding the will of God. If I should count them, they're more than the number of, of the sand. And I, I, I have recently, and this isn't just recently, I, I've had other times. But I've just recently made it a goal. You can call it a New Year's, uh, whatever they call those things. Yeah, that, that too. Resolution. You can call it a resolution. But I want to call it a New Year's resolution. I just want to call it a life's resolution. And I said, go back to the verse where he says, how precious are your thoughts towards me? Uh, If I was, uh, I cannot attain unto it. I cannot attain unto it. But I'll tell you what, I can't have as many thoughts as God has toward me. But I'm going to try. There was this beautiful, beautiful show one time in Star Trek Next Generation. There's a guy, just android. Data is his name. He was made. And he, he wants so hard to be a human, so he tries and tries and tries to be a human. Then he got the idea that, well, humans want to procreate. So he made an android and called it his daughter. It was a a female android. And his daughter asked him a question one time. He says, as androids, uh, is it true, Father, that you want to be human? And he said, yes. He says, is it also true that you cannot be a human? And he said, yes. She says, well, then why are you trying to be something that you cannot be? He says, because it's the journey that matters. I thought, that's so true. We cannot attain. I, you know, Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended God. But he does say this. I do count myself to be apprehended of God. And that's how, how precious are the thoughts God has to me. He has, the number is the sand on me. He has apprehended me. That's what I believe. But I, Paul says this, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I haven't got it, but I'm pressing for it. And that's what the psalmist says earlier. I can't attain to it, but I'm going to try. I can't have the kind of thoughts as many toward God as he has had toward me, but I'm going to try to do it. I want to try to think about God. One time Catherine Kuhlman was asked, why, you know, on, on the, I think it was the Merv Griffin show, and said, Mike Douglas, no, it's Mike Douglas show. And uh, uh, Mike Douglas uh, asked him, why do you think God moves in you the way he does? Healing people. 
And she said, uh, you'd have to ask him that, but I, in my opinion, I think that it's because I never do not, I never do not not. Maybe that's, maybe I should have three knots. Well, a lot of knots there. I never stop being consciously in the presence of God. I know God is in my life every second. I never, my mind never wanders on something else. I can be doing something else, but I know he's there. I know he's with me. And so this, how precious. I am going, I want to be conscious of the presence of God every second, whether I, in heaven or whether I make my bed in hell, I want to know God is with me. God is with you. He's in this room right now. He's with every single person, whether you know it or not. What's the important part is knowing it. One more verse. We already did it. 19. Surely thou wilt... No, not 19. It was 17. I don't want you to... I want to get into that. Unless you guys want to hear another hour sermon, we're not going to get into 19. Because I got a sermon on it. How precious all the, thy thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Next verse. If thou shalt count them, there are more number in the sand. And when I'm, when I'm awake, I am still with thee. Sleep with thee, awake. You know what that means? And when I awake. You guys know what that means? It doesn't mean waking up from bed. To rise from the dead. When I go, I will be with thee. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your word. And for this New Year's, I'm going to magnify your word above all your name because you. Hello. Am I losing it? Lord, and I want to think thoughts toward you. Every second, I want you to be I want to be conscious of every, I want to be conscious that every word that comes out of your my mouth is before you. I want to seek the kingdom of God first in your righteousness. I want my eye to be single, Lord. I want it to be single-minded on you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.